Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm so thankful for the Lord today. Uh, I'm going to read one verse of Scripture while you're standing this morning. Again, thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. 1 Timothy 1 and 5. 1 Timothy 1 and 5 says, Now the end of the commandment or the purpose of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned or faith that is unwavering and sincere. And so we start a new service today. We're going to be talking about contending for the faith. And today we'll talk about faith unwavering. Let's pray for the lesson. Lord, thank you for your word. Let our hearts be good ground to receive it. Lord, let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. And let us be better. Let us be changed. And let us be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen one more time. Give the Lord a hand clap and a shout before you're seated this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're thankful to the Lord. You can be seated. And thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. Uh, Contending for the faith. Uh, I guess there probably couldn't be any more relevant message for this hour that we live in because we do know that as the time approaches to the coming of the Lord that uh, the scripture even tells us that people are going to be giving heed to uh, seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and uh, that evil men and seducers will wax worse. One of the first things Jesus said was, let no man deceive you when he began to talk about the days approaching to, of his return. Uh, so it's more important now than it has ever been to uh, choose this day whom you will serve and then serve him according to his word, not according to our opinions of his word. Well, I thought I'd have got an amen on that. Yeah, because, well, you know, to look at Scripture and say, well, I believe the Scripture means this. You know, we, we can't, what, our opinion of the Scripture doesn't change the meaning of Scripture. And so we, we, we just take the Word of God like it is. And uh, it's, it can be very strong medicine, but it's always very good medicine. Uh, say that again. It can be very strong medicine. But it is always very good medicine. It's going to always do. So it, it is up to us to uh, stand for what we believe. You know, people's doing that on every front. But if we just had more people standing up for the Word of God, a lot of the things that are going on in the world would take care of themselves. If we had is people that were adamant about the stances they're taking on so many issues in the world today, if they just stood for the Word of God we would see such an improvement in our life here. So uh, in this series, these next four lessons, uh, we, uh, the idea is that we are called to follow the example of those who have paid, paved the way before us, stand for truth, defend the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And so if we are going to contend for the faith, as our lesson is asking us to do with faith unwavering, uh, we must be committed to the Word of God. It can't be uh, that I'm going to live, I, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to go by His Word. You've got to be committed to the Word of God. The Lord's always 
been like that with his people. He gave Moses commandments, and he said, here's what, ha- here's what happens when they follow them. Here's what happens when they don't follow them. God wanted commitment to his word because his word is him. It's his essence. It's his ways. It's who he is. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. You can't separate God in his word. He is his word. And so to be uncommitted to the word is to be uncommitted to God. There's a, you, can't, you can't separate it. It's, the, it's uh, truth, no matter what we think about that. If we're not committed to the word, we're not committed to God. We may have an opinion about God or a thing we like about God, but to be committed to God is to be committed to his word. Love takes commitment. Anybody doubt that? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you're committed to me, keep my commandments. So when we are committed to the word of God, it will result in a pure heart, a clean conscience, and a sincere faith. Commitment to God's word will make the body run better. Not just, not just physically, but uh, all these nervous breakdowns and anxiety attacks and things, uh, worry and stress and, and things, fear, all these. Whenever we would live by God's word, the word will take care of a lot of emotional issues in our life. It'll help you not to be overcome with anger. It'll help you not to be eat up with jealousy. It'll help you not to gossip. It'll help you not to lie. It'll help you not to steal or to kill. It will help you to stay faithful. See, all the things, if we are committed to the word and keeping the word, then we reap the benefits of it. That's why the scripture said, don't just exercise uh, or bodily exercise profits little, but rather exercise yourself unto godliness, which is profitable in all things, not in just in this life, but in the life to come. So if I am committed to the word, it's just like anything else you commit to, you'll see results. If you are committed to your relationship or to your marriage, you're going to see good, good results. If you're committed to your workout program, you'll see results. But if you say, I'm signing up for a six-week program and it's going to get me in shape, and you go three times in six weeks, nothing. I can't believe I paid money for that. Nothing happened because you went three times. You know, you'd go work out, get sore, throw up, and then you're like, oh, I'm not going back <laughs> Or you go back in a, you know, two weeks later and I hit again and you're throwing up again and you're sore. And so you know, three times, don't cut it. You've got to get through it. Got to be committed to it. Got to be that way in our walk. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's got to be a commitment in this walk. We have got to contend for this faith and our faith must be unwavering. We cannot let the conditions of the world today uh, relegate uh, our walk with God. We have got to make sure uh, we can't let uh, trouble and, and turmoil and things. We know this as uh, being committed to Scripture. We know that these times are coming on this world. The Bible tells us they're coming. But Jesus, he let us know. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. and Don't let it be afraid. You know, uh, trust in him. Trust God. Believe him. Believe his word that he's going to take care of us. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. So he's going to be with us all the way. Hey, it's going to get bumpy before the end, but he's going to be with us through every bump, through every hard time. God's going to be there. Whatever tomorrow unfolds, and man, it's like every day something new uh, is coming our way that we have to uh, pray about and worry about. But let me tell you, God will be with us through every bit of that. He will not leave us. 
He said, I won't leave you comfortless. I'll come to you. So, but my part in this is not to just sit here and say, I'm just standing here waiting on a little comfort. I've got to have faith that is unwavering. I have got to contend for this faith because I will and you will, the church will be challenged for its faith. If we say we serve God, the living God, we will be challenged for that. Always been that way. Goliath stood and challenged the whole army of God with the king in their presence. Come out here and fight me. And if you win, we'll be your slaves. But if I win, you'll be our slaves. The world wants to take away who we serve. And they want to, and if they defeat us, they will. But one little boy that believed that, hey, you can have your shield and your spear and your sword, but all I need is the name of the Lord. And he went out and showed the armies of Israel. One guy contending for the faith turned to flight the whole army of the enemy. Goliath went down and the rest of them took off running. And then Israel said, hey, let's go get them now. It's easy to run after them when their back's to you. But when these people that will stand up to the giant in this day, hey, we're going to be called out. Fight with me. Fight with me. And if you lose, then you're going to serve me. But we should never lose because greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Let me tell you, I don't serve a God that might win. I serve a God that does win. I'm not worried about it. I've said this before. You've heard me, church. We should never be defeated by a lesser enemy. Jesus said, I have given you power over all the power of the enemy. If I lose, it's because I threw the fight. You know what that means? In the boxing world, sometimes a guy will throw the fight for other benefits. Somebody may slip him some money. Or maybe they blackmailing him and so whatever. And he's like, you throw the fight or we're going to expose you or we're going to do this or whatever. So he throws the fight. He knows he can win. He knows he's got, everybody else knows he's going to win. And somehow he lost. It wasn't that the enemy was or his uh, opponent was any greater than him. He threw the fight. I don't, I'm not going to throw the fight because the enemy ain't got nothing on me. He can't blackmail me with my past. It's under the blood. I'm going to stand and contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. If we are, are really earnest and sincere about that, then we know there is a challenge before us. To contend for something means that somebody else is wrestling with you over it. Somebody wants to change your mind, change your opinion, change what you believe about Scripture, change what you believe about what you've already experienced. That, that's what blows my mind in this day is how could you ever turn away from what you have experienced and then act like it never happened? I don't get that. Or how, how you could talk it down like it was uh, not as important to you now as it was then. Well, that was good times then, but you know, I've moved on. I've grown. No, you ain't grown. <laughs> you might have grown in this world, but you had not grown in, in, uh, in Scripture or in knowledge of God. That, that's walking away. This day and hour, we have got to hold fast. So the, the one place the Lord said, you hold fast what you've got so no man can take your crown. You don't let anybody deceive you. You contend for the faith. You may not understand everything about this book. You don't have to understand it all to know what you have experienced. When people start telling you, hey, well, you don't have to, well, 
you say that, but I did. Well, you don't have to speak in tongues. Well, you say that, but I did. And uh, you don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name. Well, you say that, but I did. And uh, let me tell you, they can, they can do that. I, I, I've said this so many times that uh, you can change your mind, but you will never change the truth. The Bible says we can't do anything against the truth but for it. Let me tell you, so you can change your mind. And so well, I don't believe that way no more. You're lying to yourself and your inner man is screaming his lungs out saying that's not true. We do believe that, but the flesh has quenched the spirit. Let me tell you, you can deny it all you want to, but that, that inner man knows. If you ever had the real thing, it's weeping and wailing, knowing, hey, if we don't get back in line, uh, we're going to be lost for eternity. I do not want to walk away from what saved me. I don't want to walk away from what called me out. I don't want to stop. The voice that called me out of darkness is the voice I still want to be listening to walking in the light. Once I get into the light, I don't stop listening to the voice that called me into the light. That's the voice of direction. That's the voice that's going to get you home. That's the voice of instruction. That's the voice that loves you. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And if he is a good shepherd, which he is, he said, the shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus gave his life for us so that we could have more abundant life, so we could overcome the enemy, so that we could be set free from sin. And so let me tell you, I can't sit around uh, folding my hands and just watch everything and accept what's coming on uh, this world and not stand up and say, hey, listen, I ain't talking about all the society issues. I'm talking about this stuff that's trying to take the word of God from us. I could care less about flags don't bother me at all. That kind of nonsense don't bother me. What bothers me is when people start walking away from the word of God. And if we was as concerned about people backsliding as we are about them spray painting something or tearing something down. Like somebody said this morning, the world ain't ready for that conversation yet. But that's the truth. If people were as serious about God as they were about the trivial thing. Guess what? There won't be no flags flying in heaven. It'll just be the glory of the Lord. It'll be where the Lamb is the light. If there is a banner, then it's the blood-stained banner. Hello. Oh, oh, come on, somebody. Uh, What's wrong with just being apostolic? What's wrong with just being Christian? What's wrong with just being born again? What's What's wrong with just being holy because he's holy? <laughs> oh, ain't nothing wrong with it. It's time to contend. To you know what the 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 order is to the church today. Hey, you must earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered, or it's gonna be stole right out from under your eyes. Mm. Well, that's still all right. I, I, I'm your pastor. I'm not a politician. So I ain't going to try to promise you things to to keep me in office. I'm going to try to tell you things that will keep your soul saved. I'm going to tell you things that will keep you walking on the straight and narrow. Uh, You know what? I want you to go to heaven, and I do too. And I want to be able to hear Jesus say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. I've said it before. I hope I get to stand by the gate and watch my church walk in. Say, Lord, and just be rejoicing. I can rejoice. Oh, good. They did listen. They just looked like they weren't listening. They did listen. (laughs) 
Well, oh, that book ain't out of date. Yeah, I know it was written a long time ago. And I know it was printed a long time ago. And I know there's been so many editions of it and things. And people say, well, it's this, it's that, it's changed, whatever. It's out of date. It's old-fashioned. But let me tell you something. It ain't out of date. It's eternal, forever settled in heaven. It's what the Lord said about his word. And, and so it is full of old paths. That's all right. Because the scripture said in Jeremiah, we should ask for the old path. How do I get? Well, I tell you, I ain't even turned a page in this book yet. Uh, let me tell you about contending for the faith. How do I get through in this day, in this 21st century? You need to turn the pages and ask for the old path because God didn't make a mistake when he set the church up. He said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God didn't make a mistake when he pulled them out of Egypt, and then he gave them a path to follow. He, he didn't make a mistake about the path they were to walk, and they were to walk in his ways. He didn't make any mistakes about that, and, and that is the old path, but it says that's where the good way is. I want to walk in the good way. I don't want to walk in my way. I don't want to walk in the world's way. I don't want to walk in the society's way. I want to walk in his ways. I want to walk on the good path which is the old path, which is the good way. He said, ask for that. God, how do we get through in the middle of a pandemic? Ask for the old path. How do I get through where the world is is just so upset and people just hating one another and fighting one another? Ask for the old path. And that old path will tell you uh, to let brotherly love continue. The old path will say, blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah, the old path say, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and in due season he will exalt you. Mm-hmm. Oh, what about this sickness? It'll say, the old path will say, call for the elders of the church and let them lay hands on you, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and by his stripes we are healed. And it, you know, the old path will tell you how to get through it. Uh, I'm all right with going back to the, oh, this is 21st century. This is new stuff. You know, this is all new, new age, new whatever. If this world goes on another thousand years, this book will still be the only word that will save us. They will never create an app that you can be born again by. They'll never create an app that will fill you with the Holy Ghost. they, They can make, you know... Uh, artificial intelligence and robots that look so real and things look so, man, they, you can't even hear them clicking and, and whirring no more. It's just like they, they move. They look like humans. It's creepy. But they'll never be able to put a soul in it. And artificial intelligence won't be in heaven. People are getting, spending thousands of dollars to have a robot buddy because they don't want to connect with people. But see, Jesus said, we got to connect with people because, uh, hey, this robot, I programmed it. It don't cuss. It don't drink. And, and I even programmed it to say the Lord's Prayer, but it won't go to heaven. <laughs> you could take it to church with you and program it to lift its hands and even program it to run the aisle. And guess what? It still won't make it to heaven because if I try to baptize it, it's going to let me and him both. 
You could program it to speak in another language, but it won't be talking in tongues because that only comes as the Spirit gives the utterance. Let me tell you, there's going to be a lot of things pushed on us and want us to accept what's going on in this world, but we're going to contend for the faith. What got me here is what I'm going to stand on. Yeah, uh, separation from the world and things like that. Yes, what I'm going to stand on. I'm going to contend for the faith. In Proverbs 22 and 28, uh, the writer said, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. You know, sometimes a child will look back at his parents, you know, and be like, That was good for your day, pops, but, you know, I'm hip with the new time. Do people still say hip? Uh, I'm hip with the new time. It's uh, whatever the word is, day I, I'm in with the, down with the flow uh, or. I'm down with it. You know, I'm, uh, uh, I can get behind that now or whatever it is you say in this life. You know, uh, I'm, in, I'm in with the world, man. I'm, 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 I'm you know, I'm going to act like I'm dressed like I'm do like I'm do. But what you're doing is you're removing the ancient. Oh, ancient. I don't want nothing ancient. Why? The world spends $1,000 to try to find things that are ancient. You know, a lot of them try to find it so they can destroy it and, and throw it away. But it. He said, don't remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. You know what? You wouldn't be here without your fathers, what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, so what birthed you, what got you here, you don't do away with what got you here. You don't do away with repentance. That's the message. Jesus said, preach repentance and remission of sin in my name beginning at Jerusalem. You, you can't be saved without repentance. You're not going to heaven without repentance. You can't even live Christian without repentance because you need it every day. You can't do away with that ancient landmark. You can't do away with baptism in Jesus' name. You can't do away with it because there is no other name under heaven given whereby we must be saved. You can't change what Jesus said when he said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You can't change that. It's in the word. It's there. It's in the scripture. It's forever settled in heaven. Jesus meant what he said. I believe everything Jesus said. The only thing you know he said is John 3.16. Make me cover my mouth. But that's about the extent of a lot of things. That, that, or they can remember you know, where Jesus said, uh, he said something about uh, getting a beam out of your eye or don't judge people. And, and that's about where they stop at. Jesus said a lot of things that help us live this life every day. But I'm talking about these landmarks. You got to be baptized, and you got to be baptized right. You got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can't change that. Jesus said, He that believeth on me should receive it. If you believe in him, you should receive it, and you should yield yourself to it. See, a lot of people say, I, I, When I felt it, I received it. I felt it a long time before I ever received it. I could be talking about the Lord and feel it come over me, but I still wasn't filled. And, uh, and believe me, you'll know the difference in feeling and feeling. You'll know the difference. And hey, there ain't nothing wrong with feeling. I'm glad I can feel it. But if when we feel it, don't deceive yourselves or let somebody else deceive you into that, hey, now you have received it. Uh-uh, go ahead and yield and let that river of li living water come gushing out like Jesus said. Go ahead and let the Spirit speak. 
ancient landmarks. You can't change them. Got to contend for the faith that was once delivered, as Jude said. Earnestly contend for the uh, faith which was once delivered unto the saints. I've got to contend for what got me here. I don't want to see it. Let me tell you, I'm not changing. I, I could say that today. You mean, well, you don't know, Pastor, somebody might come and, and deceive you. Not if I'm committed to the word. Because if, if I'm committed to the word, I'll be like that man in Psalm chapter 1 said, in his word does he meditate day and night. The word, the scripture is always in my mind or my heart. I've hid it in my heart so I won't sin against him. And so when people come uh, with, with all them, them smoke screens and new ideas about scripture, hey, man, it don't mean nothing to me. I just, because I know what the word says. But when they start saying, but do you think? I, I don't have to think. I, I, could, I just go see what I know. You think God would let? I know what God will do because his word says what he'll do. Now, God can do what he wants to do. But I, I choose to live by what I know he's already said than trying to figure out what he's going to do. Because I don't know what he might do tomorrow. I don't know when he's going to come again, but I live every day like he might show up in the next breath. Because I do know he's coming, and I do know that life is a vapor. There's some things I know. I've got to contend for this faith that got me here. It can't be about, uh, oh, we've got to get that relaxed uh, mode of, you know, Christianity. We, we've got to get, get that stuff out of us, and we've got to get busy about the Father's business. We have let the things of this world take our eye off of the field that is ripe and ready for harvest. We look at, we're trying to harvest, we're trying to pull a different harvest. But there was one harvest that the Lord was concerned about, and it is the souls of men. And people still need repentance preached to them. They still need the love of God shown to them and preached to them. They still need a loving, uh, caring church that will embrace them and help them and be there for them. We cannot take our eyes off of what Jesus is looking at. He knows the world's going to be shook. He knows that everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken, but he expects us to keep our eyes on his goal, what he wants to see happen. It was, he said, pray that, uh, uh, that the Father will send laborers into the harvest. We need laborers in the harvest. In the harvest. That's where Christian people ought to be. The church needs to be in the harvest. But they have taken off work so they could go all over the other, anywhere else, and get involved in any other thing other than winning souls. Pastor, don't you want to preach about some healing or shouting or miracles right now? We need to contend for the faith. I don't want a lesser faith. I don't want a lesser experience with God that I could have because I'm just going to do the minimum. One guy in the scripture that did the minimum, he got what he had took away. And he said, cast him out, he's unprofitable. I don't want to just do the least because I know I can do that. I want to do everything that Jesus wants me to do. He said, man, go the extra mile. He said, somebody asked you to go one mile, go two. And, and that, that's not just talking about 
people, that's anything you do. Hey, guess who compelled you to go? Jesus did. Take up your cross and follow me. And so he's saying, when you're following me, go the extra mile and contend for the faith. I'm not talking about fighting people, arguing with people. I'm not going to argue with nobody, and I'm not going to fight nobody. But I will stand on what the Word of God says. And the Word of God tells us uh, to contend for the faith, for our faith to be unwavering. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I can't believe this way one day and then not believe it the next day. I can't pick it up one day and lay it down one day. That's double-mindedness. That's unstable. We're unstable if we're like that. I don't want to be like that. You know, there's a, a man in the Scripture when Joseph, and I know Joseph had a path to walk, but when he was cast into the pit and his brothers were trying to decide hey, why don't we just kill him? But there was one guy, Reuben, that he he wanted to play both sides of the coin. He said, hey, let's don't kill him. Let's just, you know, we don't want his blood on our hands. Let's just, let's don't kill him. Let's leave him in that pit. Let's do this and and do that. And and he he actually saved Joseph's life and what he was going to do. But he he also found favor with his brothers. But then he was going to sneak back later and get him out of the pit and deliver him and bring him home to dad and say, I spared your boy, because he knew the father loved this boy. I'm going to play both sides. But by the time he got back to the pit, the other brothers had said, yeah, we won't kill him, but we're going to sell him. He gets back and he realizes, oh, see, when you play around trying to play both sides of the fence, you're just going to miss your opportunity altogether. You might get a little uh, pat on the back from one side and and... You know, you're thinking about getting some adoration on this side, but if you don't pick a side and just go ahead and do it, he was the oldest brother. He should have said, you know what? I'm the oldest here, and y'all going to listen to me. Get that boy out of that hole and take him home. But instead, I'm going to play both sides of the fence. And, he, and then he said, the boy is gone. He said, and, and what's going to happen to me? He realized he didn't have a hand to play anymore. I do not want to be found one day saying, now what will I do? I have missed my opportunity with God. I must earnestly contend for the faith. Oh, we live in a, in a time of, of compromise, but, but you know, even people like John the Baptist, when he came preaching, and he didn't hold back nothing. But you read John's preaching, and all them Pharisees, and everybody show up, and they're watching him standing out there in the water baptizing people, and he's like, you generation of vipers. Woo! Your snakes, poisonous snakes, killing people. That's what he was calling them when he said vipers. He wasn't just trying to think of, he could have just said snake, but he said viper. You killer of men's souls. Jesus had already told him, said, you shut up the kingdom of God against men. You won't let them come in. So he was just preaching what was coming. He said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You need to come on and get in this water, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. He told them, you need to repent. And he preached that way in the wilderness. And when Herod brought him into the palace, he still preached like that. Even standing before the political powers of that day, he could have thought, well, I'm in the kings. I'm going to say some nice things. He said, hey, Herod, you ain't living right. You're trying to have your your brother's wife and all this stuff. That, 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 That don't fly. He didn't change his message for the king or for the common people. He preached repentance. 
You've got to repent for the kingdom of heaven's at hand. And Herod actually admired him for it and believed him and liked to listen to John preach. You know, when you read when he condemned John to death, he didn't want to do that. But because he made an oath in front of all his friends and what he had said, he had to go through with it. So he was very sorry about it, but he still said, hey, I, you know, I'm going to stick with my, my palace friends. And, and so he brought John and had him beheaded. But John never changed. He was unwavering in his faith all the way to the end. He, he believed in what he was called to do. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And if he could stand in his day against all the political unrest that was going on, Rome was uh, infilling Jerusalem and, and the kings were doing this and the Pharisees had created their own things and, and uh, man, everything, everybody was just doing what they wanted to do. And John said, I'll make a difference. He prepared the way of the Lord. He said, I was called for this. I was born for this. This is why I'm here. Let me tell you, God birthed us into this world, this new birth into the church, grafted us in uh, so that we could bring forth much fruit, that we could contend for the faith and, and not get off of what, he, what brought us here. We're supposed to contend for the faith. We, our faith cannot be wavering. We cannot be tossed about with every wind of doctrine. We have got to say, hey, this is what got me here. This is the ancient landmark that my fathers set up. And they, they were actually really persecuted for it. And, you know, we just get people, uh, somebody gets ugly with us on social media, and, and, and we get all heartbroken over it. And, and boy, why they, they just attacking me and doing this. I've told my kids, and I've told other ones in this church, I said, listen, when you take a stand for something on social media like that, I said, you better be ready for all them other people to jump in there and just tear you apart. I said, they're going to do it. Because I said, they hate it. I said, so, you know, social media preaching, it, it, it'll backfire on you sometimes. But it, you got to stand in this world and in this day and contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. We've got to, this world is full of compromise. Now, I'm watching my clock today because we're trying to make sure our kids get out. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure I don't go over. Uh, Y'all help me with that. And, uh, but I'm going to finish up maybe on this last point here. Tolerance is a big word today that we need to just tolerate people. Let people do what they want to do. Well, I, I let people do what they want to do anyway. But tolerance has no place in the church. People can come into the house of God just like they are, and we will love them and preach to them but they will not just come in and do what they want to do. Come like you are, but you have to understand where you are, and you're in the house of the Lord. And uh, we can't just say, well, oh, man, I know that I got to skip, jump around some scriptures and not preach this today or preach that day because it might hurt someone's feelings. Well, I never, ever, ever, and I promised with God, look at me right now, I never preach to hurt somebody's feelings. I don't. I preach and I pray, but I do pray and you better know it. I pray for conviction to fall in every service. If something's going on in somebody's life that's listening to me, I pray, God, I mean, shake them up, get their heart, don't let them sleep, make them miserable, make them cry, do whatever you have to do, but get them because I'd rather they be saved. Even Paul said, 
you know, I did make you sorry by that letter, but I'm not sorry because you sorrowed unto repentance. He said, so, yeah, I wasn't trying to just bust you up, but I did want to see you in the altar. So, you know, uh, forgive me, uh, but I'm not sorry. That's what he was saying. (laughs) Because you feel better now, too. And tell the truth, whenever you get down and pray when that conviction's on you, you feel a lot better when you get up. So you're glad that uh, something, uh, the preacher, hey, call me out, preacher. Get me, preach to me, lay it on the line. Don't let me be lost. I don't want to be lost, praise God. Uh, there was a, a doctrine, you, if you read in the book of uh, Revelation, in chapters 2 and 3, Jesus uh, was speaking to these churches. There were two churches where there was a doctrine was mentioned, and it was the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And uh, you realize that doctrine came from someone who was... Uh, ordained by the church. But Jesus said, I hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. If you've never seen it, here's a little history on it. And this is, I'm going to try to end in with this. The church of Ephesus, even though they had some things upset that he was upset with, he said, but you do have this. You hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate also. But then in the church of Pergamos, uh, he said, now, you got someone here hanging on to that doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And so uh, the Nicolaitans are spiritual descendants of Nicholas of Antioch. And if you look in Acts 6 and 5, you'll see that he was one of those seven who was ordained uh, as a deacon in the church. Uh, but it also says Nicholas was a proselyte, which means he was not uh, a Jew. He wasn't born a Jew. He converted to Judaism from paganism. But then he had another conversion. He, he converted from Judaism to Christianity. So he's got paganism, Judaism, and Christianity all mingled in. And, and what happened is, according to uh, some of these apostolic historians, uh, post the, they wrote one guy, his name is Irenaeus. He said that uh, the Nicolaitan doctrine was connected to him because he had all these forms. He was so immersed in all three of these things that he felt like he could handle just intermingling everything and it could all be accepted. The thing is, is that he grew up in paganism with the occult working in his life and witchcraft and sorceries and things like that. And he began to say that the church didn't need to separate from these people, that it was compromise, that they could do these things and uh, it didn't matter. They could even keep some of, you know, when I was in Judaism, we used to keep the law and you can keep the law. You can uh, go consult a seer, you can talk to warlocks or wizards or whatever you want to do, or you can baptize people in Jesus' name at the same time. That's what he began to teach, and they began to embrace that. And so people who were, uh, you know, that lived in these cities, Pergamos was one of the most wicked cities in that first century uh, church uh, because they just full of the occult. And so he's teaching all these people, you know, they're they getting new converts in these cities, but imagine if you come out of paganism, you, you get baptized, you feel the Holy Ghost, and you're trying to be a new convert in that day. But all your friends who are still worshiping and pagans and all that are saying, hey, man, come on, go with us. And, and your whole city is immersed in that. And that's why it said Jesus hated that spirit of compromise, that spirit that says, hey, if it feels good, do it. Just do you. Just do whatever you want to do. It'll be all right. They were getting away from the doctrine. 
They were getting away from what Jesus told them to preach. They were getting away from worshiping the one true God. Hey, in Ephesus, they still had to deal with people worshiping Diana. Pergamos was where the altar of Zeus was at. They, they still were, Rome still had its claws in a lot of those people and were still teaching them all this pagan worship. And so Jesus said, even in the middle of all this, you've got to stay true. Your faith cannot waver. But uh, just imagine how hard it would have been uh, in that day. Well, it's the same today. When we get new converts and they come in out of the world, if the church don't embrace them, that's why it is so important to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Man, don't come in and repent, get baptized, and then not show up for six weeks. You're going to be struggling, man. That's why the church has got to embrace them and love them, reach out to them, disciple people so that they, uh, when they get to school and all their other friends are going, I can't believe you're a Christian now. I can't believe you're going to church now. That they don't cave in, but they stand. It's good for uh, our, our church people to have those kind of relationships. I got three minutes, and, and this is uh, where I'm going to uh, end up right here. But uh, So you can't have a foot in each world. You've got to, uh, the, a person, we still believe in separation from the world. But the doctrine of the Nicolaitans led to a weak version of Christianity. It had no power had no conviction, had no authority, and it was a worldly type of Christianity. And that's what the world says to do, compromise, give in, tolerate. But here's what the Scripture says, and you can stand with me. This is where I'm going to finish right here so we can get our kids back right on time. This is what Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the church, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord or agreement does Christ have with Belial? Or what part has he that believes with an infidel? What agreement has the temple of God, that's us, with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them, walk in them, I will be their God, they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And then he says in the next chapter, one verse, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's that faith that we're going to be contending for, that we stand for the word of God. We cannot stand for one scripture. We've got to stand for the whole word. We've got to stand for this book. We've got to stand for the things that God has taught us. And we've got to stand for what got us here. Earnestly contending for the faith. Don't let your faith waver in these troubling times. When you, hey, it's hard. But when you see people walking away, don't let, that, don't let them drag you away. If they walk away, that's, that's on them. We're going to pray for them. We're going to reach for them. But, but we cannot go with them. We've got to stay on the path that God has ordered. Amen? Let's pray as we're dismissed. Lord, we love you this morning. Thank you 
your mercy and grace, Lord, every morning. The reasons that we're not consumed, Lord, that you don't just throw us away. God, as we are trying and earnestly contending for the faith, give us strength. Don't let our faith waver. Lord, help us to be true and sincere, God, and walk upright before you. Let us remember the things that got us here and hold fast, not to remove the ancient landmarks, God. But Lord, let me remove the things that are not like you and serve you in sincerity and truth. God, keep us now, bless us now, and help us to walk and shine a great light for you and your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a hand and a shout of praise. Oh, I know that was... I know that was just plain old, woo! I know, I know what kind of preaching that was. Yeah, I, I'm the one that preached it, I know. But let me tell you, that's the kind of preaching that gets you to heaven. Praise God. I love you dearly. Let's uh, get ready for the next service. Our kids will be coming in in just a moment. And uh, let's remember, hey, everybody may not be up for the hugs and the, the touching and things like that. So if they're not, don't be offended. We're going to uh, stay safe and well in Jesus' name and worship the Lord. God bless you.